0: Hey, everyone. Lindsay Piper Loomis here. I have a special guest, which I've been wanting to have him back on for quite some time. I think either I was on his show or he was on mine. I can't remember. But Sean, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, you were on my uh, podcast, Main Source of Truth, which is a uh, K-12 educational horror story Podcast, and we certainly uh, looped in some of the situations that you had been in, and and some of the great exposure uh, that you've you've brought to the table. So, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really glad to to be able to uh, to pay this back.
0: Hey, thank you so much. So, guys, he is obviously he's from Maine. I think you just said that, but I want here in South Carolina and some of the conservative states. Of course, South Carolina has already it's already been exposed that we're like ranked forty nine out of fifty as far as. The bills go, uh, Mm -hmm. our state legislature. But we are going to actually kind of show you what's already going on here in South Carolina and what it will look like up in Maine, because Maine, unfortunately, has already gone down some really bad um, paths. But because of Sean and some other parents fighting back, they were able to defeat, even if it's temporary. LD-1735, this piece of legislation. Can you tell us about LD-1735 and uh, what it is?
1: Yeah, this snuck up on us last May. uh, And essentially this this radical uh, LGBTQ cultist, I'll call her, uh, in a legislator had talked to a couple of these, uh, what I would perceive to be sexual narcissists with mental health issues. Unfortunately, uh, trans kids don't exist it's one of those deals where I feel bad for the, for the people, for the child, for the students, but we all realize that you're either born a man or a woman, and that's God-given, and you can't change it. So this, uh, this radical uh, legislator, a Democrat, just you know, all this stuff comes from Democrats, and one thing I would say is Republicans might not solve all your issues, but all of our issues are being forced upon us by Democrats – so this bill was called uh, uh, an act to affirm uh, transgender uh, care, essentially. And we all know that there is no transgender health care. It's basically chemical concoctions of drugs, uh, you know, hormone blockers that they call them, which are essentially chemical castration drugs, which leads ultimately to medical butchery of, of minor children. And this bill, LD-1735, was put on the table last year in the Judiciary Committee, and we were able to, through national pressure, have them put that on the side and kind of park that, but they didn't eliminate the bill. Uh, A number of weeks ago, a month or so ago, kind of in the dead of night, they brought this bill back to judiciary. We got wind of it and put on a full-scale assault with a number of folks. Alvin Louie from Courage is a Habit was also a huge supporter in that. Um, but we got, you know, libs of TikTok behind it. Uh, Donald Trump Jr., uh, Riley Gaines, uh, Elon Musk even tweeted on it and basically put it on the national spotlight that said, hey, this is a trans trafficking bill in which any parent in any state in the country, it didn't matter if it was just from Maine or not. If your child came into Maine and decided that they wanted to get their genitals cut off, the parents would then have no authority over that decision because the kids would become wards of the state. And this bill was referenced. There was no age limit in this bill. So there's a radical group of trans cultists up here called OutMain, and they're paid by the government. They're actually paid by the Department of Education, if you can believe it. But they say that kids know their gender at age two, right? So so when you put all this together, essentially, this was, a, a again, the LGBTQ cultists putting together this radical agenda. And ultimately what we found is after having people push back and that's really where the advocacy or activism comes in, we had parents, taxpayers, students, concerned citizens across the country focus on eight legislators who had, you know, we had concerns that they would try to pass this bill and they caved. Um, We were able to defeat it unanimously, 12-0. But I don't think it's done, Linz. I I think it's one of those things where uh, this is an election year and what I think we found here in Maine is even Democrats in an election year are not willing to go as far to medically butcher kids with taxpayer dollars, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen or not happen next year. And you mentioned Maine for a second. I mean, Maine's the California of the East coast. So what happens in California and Washington and maybe Oregon, we're next on the list. And it's, that's just the way that this whole process has been going. So anyway, we were very, very happy and satisfied. Um, I told someone after the hearing, after the judiciary committee, I didn't know whether or not to high five people or burst out in tears because the more we hear about these horrors and these families that have been ripped apart by big pharma and medical butchery, it's, it's very heartbreaking. Right. So um, anyway, a a really good uh, sort of success story, but one that we shouldn't be in, in the first place.
0: Yeah. Well, number one, kudos. I mean, I've, I've, you know, been in contact with you for quite some time and I know you've been in this fight. I mean, this, you mama bears, papa bears, whatever we are in this fight to save our kids. Couple of things. One thing um, I will say, and I'm taking notes of things that you said, cause I wanted to come back and hit them, but um, you know, South Carolina just passed the help, not harm bill. But if you would believe it, it was last year, the Republican GOP caucus on the house side, um, said that or they they required that every member of the gop caucus sign a loyalty pledge which even democrats don't do and if they did allegedly they would get fifty thousand dollars towards their campaign coffers now this loyalty pledge had language in it that would and i'm getting somewhere with this so just bear with me this this would allow um if they signed this it basically was loyalty to party over the people over the constitution the biggest thing is the constitution state and um us and so there was 18 to 20 republican leaders that said no so they were kicked out of the republican caucus which then this is the south carolina freedom caucus so they have been fighting so we know that they couldn't bring bills forward even into committee and subcommittee because they're not going to let them because they're not a part of the GOP caucus. So the only way to make transparency out in the open so people could see what was going on was to file amendments on the House floor. And so there was this entire debacle with the um, Help Not Harm bill. Riley Gaines got involved, um, you know, General Flynn. We had some people that was posting it. And luckily, they caved. I mean, literally, they were getting... Phone calls on the house floor across the, the entire floor. These same legislators, not the Freedom Caucus, the the GOP Caucus, and is working with the Democrats, the Uniparty, at the state level to get to because we elect our judges in through the South Carolina State Legislature. A far left leaning leftist who ran for uh, Democrat governor. Ran for governor of of South Carolina on the Democrat ticket in 2018, supports BLM, supports Planned Parenthood, and supports this entire leftist agenda. Why would Republicans and Democrats want to work to do this? Because he'll rule in favor of their cases, as we're seeing and getting these. We had a, a, a man who had 36 counts of sex crimes against children that pled guilty the state AG, Republican state AG Alan Wilson allowed him to plea to plea bargain. And when he did that, the judge gave him time served, which was last. It was like six to seven months. That man is walking free. So so then fast forward, there was jokes being made about masturbation and about pornography and stuff on the House floor in a super majority Republican state. And so now here we are. we're still fighting this woke uniparty, because that's what they are, um, for this type of bill, like what you have. Now, we did get the Help Not Harm bill passed, but it was the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, when they were not in session, that foia MUSC, Medical University of South Carolina, and got the Pediatric uh, Chemical Castration Clinic shut down. Do you think any of those GOP caucus members helped them? No, they didn't. And so it's always been the Freedom Caucus that has been fighting against this tyranny. And the reason I bring this up is that uh, we're still seeing issues here in South Carolina with this stuff. So um, I just tell people that what you're seeing, what he's going to be talking about in Maine, and I will digress, is already happening in South Carolina. It's already happening in conservative states. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a couple things there. So first off, I think we the people need to be more active. So myself, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, speaking for my situation, back uh, three and a half years ago, on the heels of George Floyd's death, we received a letter from our school calling us all white supremacists in (laughs) Maine, in the safest, most affluent, most educated town in the state of Maine, which I thought was, you know, the, the most beautiful little small town in America. But what has happened is it's infiltrated everything. And you mentioned the uniparty. So I have zero faith in the main GOP. Same situation. These guys, yeah. uh, they, they, just, they don't want to work that hard. They don't want to get called names in the paper. They don't want to push wedge issues. In my opinion, abortion, illegal immigration, and parental rights should be the pillars of every single discussion, every single meeting from state to county to local level. It just doesn't happen. And uh, I actually have a, a an article half, half written that is basically entitled uh, The Maine GOP, a rudderless ship. You know, these guys have no wind in their sails. They have no direction, but they like being on the boat. And our Senator, Susan Collins, who is a rhino Republican in Washington, D.C., has never no. once spoken up about educational horrors here in the state of Maine. And it's been on the global stage I think now three times. So we exposed critical race theory mm-hmm. on the global stage. We exposed the hypersexualization of minors on a global stage. Mm-hmm. We exposed the transgender runner situation here on a global stage. And then here nationally, we exposed this LD 1735 scenario. Susan Collins has never mentioned a word about what's going on. And it's not because it's people perfect. aren't reaching yeah. out. It's just, yeah, it's, they, they are, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a frustrating situation uh, that, that the people that govern us are now essentially bought and paid for. That's the only way to say it.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it was General Flynn, if I remember correctly, that said that, you know, a a lot of those leaders, I think a majority, I I don't want to misquote him, but I think he said a majority of those leaders are compromised and I'm hoping that some Mm. of them will start turning around um, you yeah, know- I'm,
1: I've I've lost hope. Honestly, I, I think it, you know, in my opinion, three quarters of Washington D.C. needs to just get cleaned out, and and well, I'm agree. hoping right, and I'm hoping that potentially. Um, you know, we have to get back to an America first agenda. We have to get back to the Constitution. We cannot be doing the things that we're doing with all of this, uh, you know, funny money that Biden is printing from the, the reserve. It's just it's impacting everybody. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a struggle. But I, I, I think what you, what you hit the nail on the head is that we still need to try. We still need to fight. We still need to put pressure on these legislators, call their office, email, show up in person. And really let your voice be heard because when evil kicked down kicks down your door, as you know, it's, it's too late.
0: Yeah. And what, what you said. So when, when the people take back the government and I'm not talking about an organized overthrowing of the government, that's not what I'm saying, but right. our rights have been, our unalienable rights have been endowed to us by the creator, not by government. And so, you know, what I find interesting, and I don't know if anyone else has ever realized this, but in, in the word, it says that everything is contained um, in Christ through him, for him um, and by him. And I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but likewise, and, and he is the conduit to our eternal freedom, right? And to our, our freedom here on earth. But we we also, our government was constructed of the people for the people and by the people. We're conduits of our own freedom. And so when you guys put pressure on this LD 1735, they caved because they understood that the people understood um, who the government belongs to. Um, so I just think that's very interesting. Um, and I think that the more and more that we do this, I think the key to saving this country, number one is Second Chronicles 7.14. And second is that what's happening to our children is an abomination. And if we will protect God's precious little ones, then I think he will save this country and he'll protect us. And so, yeah,
1: I I, and, that's, and that's a great segue because I, I think, uh, and I've said this often, the only reason that I'm on this earth is to protect my twin daughters and, and to make their lives better than mine was. And I think as a generation, I'm, I'm 53 years old, you know, Generation X, I think my generation has failed in that scenario, because we've kind of been fat, dumb, and happy. Um, things have been too good for too long and the pain hasn't been impactful for enough people yet. But what we're seeing is, you know, I've, I've been trying to expose this stuff again for three and a half years, really the last two and a half years, Linz, I've been doing this out of pocket as a calling. I quit my job and and that's not a financial sob story. That's my choice, but I don't know how much long I can longer I can continue doing this. Um, but at at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, the only reason I'm here is to try to be a shield for my girls. And, and what that ended up being is a shield for my girls, the neighbors, girls, the state, the country, and to some degree on a global level. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, I just wish there was more strong fathers. You mentioned mama bears. I mean, there are a ton of mama bears out there, but there are very few, a, only a handful of, of strong fathers that are willing to stand up for, for kids. Because yeah. I've, I've traveled the country and I've met, you know, thousands of people. There's only a handful of folks that I'm aware of that are doing what I'm doing and and maybe none at the same level that I'm doing it. And again, that's not an egotistical thing. That's just, it is where it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I will, I will tell you that, um, you know, when, when this all started, it almost, I thought, is this really real? Can we be living in an America like this? But, you know, yes, we can be. And I feel like, you know, people, the last, the not, basically the last time that Trump was elected, because I believe the elections were stolen. I know we're on the same page, but, you know, people showed up to the polls and they voted, but that wasn't enough. They wanted, and I'm just saying the broader sense of everything that I've heard over the, the narrative was that he would get in there and fix everything, but he can't bear the burden of all this. And so now living through the last, you know, three years, people now realize that they have a responsibility, that freedom was given to them if they were born in this country, or if they've become American citizens, you know, they are awarded this freedom. But it costs something uh, for that freedom. And it costs something to keep it and to maintain it. And, you know, just just understanding that this is a big deal even down to bathrooms so let's go into bathrooms talk to me about bathrooms in maine because i know we we're going to talk about that
1: yeah so th- i've written a couple articles here recently one just today uh that girls bathrooms are no longer safe spaces um there are male presence in bathrooms in schools in public k-12 through schools mostly high schools but it's starting to get down into middle and, and elementary schools and the real problem with that is uh instead of these schools fighting for the rights of girls and making sure that the girls are safe and the 99% of the students are safe. They have some boy, again, in my opinion, these, these folks, unfortunately have mental health issues. They are sexual narcissists. Um, They've been enabled by the school system and, and potentially, you know, their, their doctor and those kind of things. But the problem is now that Mm. we're having kids be very concerned about going into what normally should be a safe space. Mm-hmm. We've also had, you know, boys in high school. I, I got a number of quotes here for this article on, on uh, uh, that I just wrote on my Substack. So that's the other thing, Substack. Sean McBriarty, just search that out main source of truth. Um, but even boys are concerned, you know, they've got sisters and girlfriends in the bathroom and they don't want dudes to be hanging out because what happens is um, you know, Scott Smith, a, a dear friend of mine from Loudoun County, Virginia, his daughter was 15 years old, was sexually assaulted in the Loudoun County school bathroom. That school covered it up, transferred this student to another school. He then sexually assaulted another girl. And Scott's family has been put through hell the last three years going through this. Now they're in a better place than they were a couple few years ago. And Scott's actually uh, pushing back now within the legal system, but shouldn't have ever, ever happened, right? It should never have happened. The 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 genuine uh, component of knowing that, you know, there are men and women's bathrooms or girls and boys' bathrooms and they shouldn't be cross-pollinated, like normal people just get that, you know? But this is all about a divisive concept from the schools to essentially erode the morality of America, uh, especially the the biblical religious foundations that our country was made on, and it's all about division. So when I try to say to a parent, hey, this is all a Marxist initiative, that flies over their head because I can't even get them to understand that their local school district has a policy where if I decide to affirm as a girl today, I can go walk into the girl's bathroom. It's as easy as that. Just throw on a skirt and walk right in. So it is, it's an insane place that now girls in high school – in schools, honestly, in Maine, for example, only, uh, I believe it's one in three K through 12 students can read at proficiency, only one in three, right? And only one in four kids can do math at proficiency. So we've never seen the accountability and the, uh, the assessment scores lower, but now these, these schools are concentrated on and making sure that transgender sports and transgender bathrooms are the issue. So I've said for the last two years, pull your kids out of these public schools, homeschool, or send them to Christian school. I'm a huge homeschool, you know, advocate. But yeah, we're we're just in this situation now where it's totally cool for these schools to allow a boy to walk into a girl's room. And if there is a sexual assault, like has been reported here locally in Brewer, Maine, uh, the school basically says, Yeah, we're not going to deal with that because they're all afraid to go up against the LGBTQ cult, uh, because that's that's who's moving the needle right now. You know, conservative parents. Haven't had a voice for a number of years, and unfortunately, until something happens to their kid, many of them don't come forward.
0: Well, and it's interesting because you don't really hear about girls going in boys' bathrooms.
1: Well, There's so that's women an competing component. in
0: boys' sports, right? Yeah, yeah, because
1: uh, and actually, in this in this article, we have a, a little bit of that um, sort of cross uh, athletic aspect. So that one of the teachers, this Michelle McDonald in Brewer, uh, who actually lives in my hometown of Hamden, Maine. Um, her daughter goes to the high school here in Hamden and her daughter thinks she's a guy. So she has, you know, what she claims to be a trans son, which is nonsense. And uh, her trans son runs on the boys track team and finishes dead last gets crushed every day because biology tells us men are stronger than women. And essentially as the boys are getting older, they're getting faster. And as the girls are getting older, they're getting slower. It's just the way that, you know, millions of years or tens of thousands of years of, 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 you know, human existence has shown us. But anyway, in that case, we had this cross-pollination of this lady, this teacher who has told kids that she threatened them with hate speech. They brought up a petition to get this boy out of their bathroom. This teacher, Michelle McDonald, told these kids she was going to basically threaten them with hate speech because they're concerned about their own safety. I mean, insane people are running our schools and teaching our kids, and people just don't understand it. Because people think like, I mean, again, I'm 53, so my kids are 21 years old now. But, you know, people that are in their 40s kind of think, well, school should be about like it was when they went to school. It's nothing like that anymore. For decades and decades, this incremental Marxist ideology has crept into everyday life in schools. And in the last three and a half years, Linz, they've, they've turned it up to 11 they've dialed it up to 11 because joe biden the department of education uh dhhs you know big pharma big medical it's all a cabal at this point
0: well i will tell you when we were still in texas even before 2015 um and i won't go too far down this path just so we stay you know focused but um you know i found out about the indoctrination in texas education with the star testing and i opted my kids out well, my youngest wasn't taking it, but my oldest was greatly affected and I I homeschooled them. So my my thing now is let's defund the Department of Education through We the People by pulling our kids out of the um, the school systems because they lose their money. And then we go back to homeschooling and I've heard parents say, well, I can't homeschool because I work. No, but you know what? There's a group of parents in the neighborhood and each one can you know, help out in like a little co-op. I know a girl, you know, a few years ago when the COVID uh, mandates were rolling out, she refused to wear a mask. She lost her job and she wouldn't make her kids wear a mask. So the next, within the next couple of days, she started a small private school. And I think it was out of her home or something. And now she has, it's not a charter school, but it's a private school and she's added teachers. And so because of that, the community blessed her and they, they supported her, the The parents. And so, you know, there's, there's, there is an option now. Um, it's
1: easier, it's easier than people think. And, and I'm, and I'm going to say yeah. this, uh not having done it. So my kids were juniors in high school when the situation came up about us all being called white supremacists. But if I knew You know, then what I know now, I would have figured out a way to homeschool my kids right out of the gate. I think church uh, and them attending Sunday school and and services, I think was a huge component of their sort of moral uh, foundation and that helped them to be great students. But it's, it's, I've been told by a number of people in one hour a day, you can accomplish more than seven hours in the public school system. And I've also been told you could be the worst homeschool mom or dad in the state and do 10 times better than what they're getting right now in public schools. So parents really uh, it's, it's, it's easier than they think it is. It's just, they have to take a step forward to start making a plan. And I tell a lot of folks like right now, hey, make a plan this summer to pull your kid out in the fall, like give yourself a few months to figure it out. Uh, But it's way easier than people think.
0: Yeah. I said, I would never homeschool. And I ended up homeschooling that same year. And we opted a different way. There was, um, we could we could teach, we could do back when CD-ROM was a thing. Um, and then, and or an online private Christian school. And, and that was considered homeschool. So that's the route that we went because they kept track of all the grades and all of that. And just going from Texas to South Carolina was easier. But I'm telling you, and we supplemented, we, I mean, they were home, but I'll tell you what, it was the greatest thing we ever did. Our oldest has already graduated and our youngest uh, graduates this year. So I will well, say that, thing, that is a blessing. Yeah, the other
1: thing you mentioned real quick was, uh, so I had a chance to interview Vivek Ramaswamy uh, this summer and he had a plan. Like Trump has talked about eliminating the Federal Department of Education. I'm mm-hmm. a huge proponent of that. Vivek actually has mm-hmm. a plan, but it's $80 billion, with a B dollars that the federal department of education has sucked out of the taxpayers. Then on top of that, you've got the state uh, department of education and then you've got the local control, which is the school boards, at least here in Maine, that's what you're supposed to be doing to actually run the school. So it's just, it's a big Ponzi scheme, right? It's a Democrat fed far left progressive Ponzi scheme. And uh, in Maine, it's a $3 billion industry. It's one third of our entire state budget. I'm sure in your state, it's more than that, but just, you know, if people don't understand how much money they're paying in taxes a year percentage and dollars to your local schools, I'm paying 53% and about $4,000 to indoctrinate my neighbor's kids. So when you pull your kid out here in Maine, they lose the state funding and they lose the federal funding. And that does impact their pocketbook. Um, We probably will never have educational freedom here the way we're currently comprised with our legislature. uh, But My hopes are that, uh, and some people call it school choice, but I like to call it educational freedom. I hope that's something that the tax dollars follow their student in other states and people can move to other states if they choose to. Uh, But Maine is one of the most beautiful four season states around, but it's a liberal clown show right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you can turn it around if you keep at it. I think we're going to turn the ship around because there's enough people getting involved. Now, I wanted to talk to you about this last thing before we run out of time. The backdoor, I call it, you said backdoor. I'm calling it backdoor medical hub influence, but you called it something else. That's just what I put in my notes. But I do want to tell people um, what he's about to tell you. And I'm going to let you, you know, close that out with that. But I will tell you guys, these um, little medical influences are already in the South Carolina schools. And I've been getting reports here in South Carolina uh, where parents children have been socially transitioned by, um, a medical counselor or a mental health counselor or a mental health coach or whatever. They have coaches in some cases, which I'm not against mental health coaching. I'm, I'm certified in that. And I, I do that in the, the right, the, the right venue. But, um, when the parents found out and pushed back, uh, Department of Children and Family Services in some cases has taken the kids away and in other cases is threatening to take them away. And so, um, and this is in South Carolina. So tell me about, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of segue there, but I wanted you to talk about this as well for mainstay. Yeah,
1: thanks. No. And, and, uh, so this is again, on my sub at Sean McBriarty, um, and, uh, we're going to do a multi-part series, uh, with, with another organization here in Maine, Health Choice Maine, and I titled this one Community Schools Build a Backdoor Influence to Your Children, and what's occurring is uh, in uh, roughly 20 to 25 different school systems in Maine, there are 253 school districts, they are putting in medical practices, essentially, and services, and then the way in Maine it works is in, when you're a 14-year-old child, you have uh, full access to your medical records, and the parent then has no access to your kid's medical records at 14. What we've seen is, and this will be part of a multi-part story that I'm doing, 14-year-old girls essentially are going into these clinics at their lunch break and getting IUDs inserted into them uh, essentially for uh, uh, you know, for birth control at 14 years old. And their parents don't know anything about it. What they're doing is they're billing main care, which is like the Medicare aspect, uh, a state-enabled um, uh, medical uh, insurance process where the taxpayers pay for it, and and nobody's the wiser. And so we've had students here be sexually transitioned by social workers, counselors. They've been given chest binders. Um, there's currently a lawsuit uh, about that happening here in Maine. Another story that we were able to expose. But it's just horrible. So these schools essentially are being run by uh, conglomerates of medical practices. They're being embedded into local schools. And again, parents don't have any understanding of what's going on. Kids are being uh, prescribed drugs in these schools without their parents knowing. And so one of the things that is a law here in the state of Maine, a 16-year-old has access to chemical castration drugs without parental permission. That's a law here in Maine. The other thing is social workers and school counselors in Maine can keep sexual transition secrets secret from parents. And so it's, it's absolute madness. Um, when you start looking at all of the aspects of what is touching your son or daughter in a public school, what I tell parents is you're basically rolling the dice every day that those kids come back the same way that they left your home because there are just so many influences now that aren't part of education. Education has nothing to do with school anymore. This is the least educated uh, uh, group um, that we've ever seen, you know, come out of these schools, but it is essentially an indoctrination center. And these kids are being put through the ringer every moment of their, of their, you know, seven hours a day.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I try to tell people, I mean, I I have had reports. I don't have any actual. Well, it's been a couple of years since I've seen some of the earlier crazy things happening, but uh, you know, we've had a, a kid show up as a a cat in high school. Yeah, furries country. it's a,
1: furries are a real thing. Litter yeah. boxes litter boxes are not a real thing, but furries are a real thing. It's a trans species um, you know, it's, it's one of those protected classes. So it it is, it is the, that's the degradation of morality, uh, in a sense in a, in a child who thinks that he, you know, he'll put on ears and the tail and meow and, and do these things, but they're, these kids are, they're being turned into mental misfits inside and behind the brick walls of a public school.
0: I need to go back and find the, I had a parent actually send me a video of the litter boxes in the schools. It was, I I don't think it was Colorado. It might've been California.
1: It's kind of Um, one of those, I I would call it a, an urban legend to some degree. I actually put a bounty out in Maine, of $50 for anybody could send me a picture of a litter box in a school or provide me documentation, you know, an email or a forward request and uh, just never got one. So I'm not saying that they're, they're, it's not possible, but these kids, you know, again, instead of reading and writing and arithmetic and the very basics of trying to, to, Tell or show a kid how to learn things uh, is it, it, it's just it's pure debauchery, but debauchery that's going on in these schools. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're basically going to continue. I think it'll probably be a two or three part um, uh, sort of expose on these community schools. But anytime you hear the word community school or whole child or it takes a village or any of those sort of words, <laughs> that nomenclature, you know, it's bad. And, and again, I've listed in this article, all of the local main schools, and there's also things in here in contracts. So these are grant funded contracts. So Mm -hmm. the grants are coming from these big uh, Arbella investor kind of, you know, uh, folks, the George Soros of the world and uh, the Bill Gates foundations. And they're, you know, putting money into these school districts to essentially rip them out of the hands of their parents. And, and it's happening with unfortunately great success.
0: Well, you know, I think it's going to be really, you know, we'll have, we've got to do some more dialogue that way we can talk more about this because I know that this is, um, it's, it's running rampant. I mean, we're, I think I messed up my, my number on, on voting record on liberal voting record. We're towards the end, but we're ranked 49 out of 50 for education in the country.
1: Wow. Yeah. I think Maine so- is 30, Maine's 38th and it wasn't too long ago. I think we were second. Um, But, you know, like I said, it's it's the worst academic assessments in the state of Maine and probably in your state that we've ever seen. It's the worst return on investment because our tax dollars have never been higher. Um, And so it's just uh, my dog, Gus, might be poking in his head here, but um, (laughs) it's uh, it's one of those things where it's just so unfortunate that our educational system that really should build a foundation for this next generation and for our country has purposely been demoralized by the left
0: well in our i know like just with dorchester district 2 we found out that there was a member on the on the city or county council that was a um had the contract with the education for the school board for the electronic system that a lot of these resources for the the kids runs through so it's just it's crazy and they want to say there's no books of you know, pornography in the schools. And one of our moms went to work um, of her own volition and found, I think, over 150 books. So yeah, he, there's he wanted- there's easily
1: 100 books in, in every yeah. single school library. And, and that's a whole other subject for another day. But exactly,
0: again, it's, it's really <laughs>
1: difficult. I, I can't convince parents that porn is in their local school library, much less try to tell them that this is a Marxist initiative to divide the mm-hmm. child from the parent and destroy our country. So yeah. I haven't cracked the code, but I keep trying to push that uh, envelope the best I can. And and I think we're still in an exposure phase. I think 2024 has to be the year of the parent. It has to be the year of exposing this nonsense. People need to start to get activated. And uh, so what I say to folks is if you could follow me on Twitter, that's where I do most of my damage at Sean McBriarty. Uh, I'm on Getter, I'm on Rumble, I'm on Truth, I'm on all the other uh, networks, but, but Twitter substack, for me, i give your
0: Substack um, post yep. again too. Or sub-stack. Yeah. Sub
1: stack, sub stack at Sean McBriarty. And then I write for a national news outlet called your news. And I post all those things up on Twitter and all the social media. So, Perfect. um, if, if anybody ever wants to, uh, to talk the horrors of K through 12 education, I do a podcast main source of truth and, uh, we've done about a hundred episodes now and I'd love to have conversations with anybody that has a, uh, one of those stories that is impactful that we can help other parents learn from.
0: Amen. Well, thank you so much. And everyone make sure you go to his Substack. And even though the content is free, it's not free to create it because it costs time. Please go and sew so into um his 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 newsletter. I don't want to call it newsletter, but into his, his journalism, there is you know, founders thing. There's uh, all different options. I'm sure you have all the different options there, the main subscribing and then the others. Uh, It it would be such a blessing. I know people have done that for me and they're doing it through my media outlet and it really helps us to continue to do what we do. Um, And so that way you can still continue to do what you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the time. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. God bless.